Art is more than just a composition of beautiful colors and carefully placed brushstrokes. When we can think about it more expansively, that is. Welcome to the Art of Podcast, a show that unveils the masterpiece resulting from you taking your healing into your own hands. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, a trauma survivor turned multi-awarded reflectionist artist with a master's degree in counseling. My highest intention is to create a community for self-healers. Together, we'll unlock your own creative capacity to design a life of holistic wellness and embrace the healing journey, one step at a time. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Leah Fisher, and I am your host of the Art of Podcast. And I can't even express to you how excited I am about having the conversation I'm having today. It's something that has been a long time coming, and I want to introduce to you Rachel Ruth Tate. She is a professional astrologer, um, the host of the Astrology Roadshow, and a yoga instructor and meditation teacher. And I have been obsessed with her show for a long time now, and so excited to bring some information to you guys about astrology As you know, it's been a huge tool in my life and something I love to study and explore. And wow, to have Rachel here is just such an honor. Rachel, how are you? Thank you for being here. I am thrilled beyond words to be with you, Leah. This has been a while in the making, and so it is just a joy to be right here right now. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to talk about the first time we met. I actually met you doing a breathe meditation class when you are a meditation teacher with Allison Volk at Chelsea and Jen's place, which is incredible. If you guys have never been there and you live in Dallas, you have to go, but you did such a beautiful meditation and your presence was so calming and, um, kind of majestic. It was, it was really, really beautiful. Are you still teaching meditation too? I am indeed. I am in Waco. Now I have moved from Dallas and I'm teaching at a studio called Yoga 8. And specifically, I'm now doing healing, yoga and meditation. So we're combining our two favorite things for years and years. So for almost a decade, I was purely a meditation instructor, owned a yoga studio, attended dozens, hundreds, thousands of yoga classes and trainings. But finally, I've combined them both because I think that it can be so beneficial to move through postures and asanas while we're meditating. Mm -hmm. But I am now thinking back to, I can remember exactly the moment that you're talking about. Allison's also one of my favorite people. She's always a joy and a light and a connector. Mm -hmm. She's a light light collector. There Mm -hmm. you go. She's a light collector. Mm And I first met her back in 2012, oh my gosh. 2013. I was working for Equinox at Preston Hollow. Did you also do spin instruction? I subbed. Okay. <laughs> I subbed <laughs> as a spin instructor. You have so many talents and gifts and healing qualities. That's incredible. I love you for saying that. A lot of, hey, I'm a Leo rising, so we love to perform. Oh, okay. This this makes sense. And and I will be posting pictures of her, but she has this beautiful, long, mane-like hair. So yeah, this is all making sense. Leo sure. rising, for sure. Yes, yes, for sure. Okay, so tell me about your journey with astrology. Astrology has been a long time in coming for me. I was super interested in in 
all things Hellenistic in Greek myth and in legend, in like, girl, I was seven years old reading Edith Hamilton's mythology. I was obsessed. And Plato, Aristotle, all of these ancient Greek philosophers, and all of them were also astrologers. It's kind of something that came with um, astronomy and astrology were one and the same, Mm -hmm. and they were together with philosophy and all sciences, completely interconnected. Think about Plato's forms, right? Mm -hmm. And so throughout my childhood, I was interested. But Western astrology or modern astrology is sort of a, it's an astrology product. I'm going to be real blunt and call it an astrology product, just like standard vinyasa flow yoga is a yoga product. Right, right. It's not hatha yoga. It's not from the sutras. You don't even know the eight limbs of yoga, probably, if you're doing workout yoga. Mm-hmm. Same thing for modern astrology. You know your sun sign. It's sun sign astrology. Love Linda Goodman for popularizing sun sign astrology outside of the Bible, her books are the most widely read and published books in the English language ever. Wow. Which is amazing, that right? That is incredible. Amazing. So I love that astrology is <laughs> taking that sort of a place in our culture, especially with the younger generation. But a lot of what we see and consume as astrology in the newspaper or whatever, I bet you most people don't realize that you are going to be better served by looking for your rising signs horoscope and not by your sun sign. Mm-hmm. So I got into it very early, but it was not until 2018 that I became a professional astrologer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so did you do formal training to become an astrologer? Because I know it's not absolutely necessary to, to do it, but w- what I've noticed is that astrology, it's a language. You have to learn the symbols, you have to learn the meanings behind everything, the myths, the history, in order to really be able to speak the language, not to mention even interpreting it. So a teacher and somebody who's gone before you, I think would be very helpful. I could not have said it better. You're absolutely spot on Mm -hmm. with what you said. The background in Greek myth was super helpful when it came to delineating the archetypes and kind of understanding how all of these things worked together. But the answer is actually twofold. First of all, yes, I I was trained by a teacher, Austin Kopic. You might recognize his name from the Astrology Podcast, which Chris Brennan produces and Austin Kopic is a monthly guest on. Mm -hmm. He is a phenomenal astrologer. He has been practicing for decades. One of the founding members of the modern sort of ethos of astrology, him and Chris Mm -hmm, both. mm -hmm. And I followed them for personally over a decade, listening to the podcast, learning from them. But I went and formally studied with him. Mm. I did his first year and I I began his second year. I had to drop out of the second year. But I wanted to make sure (laughs) that what I thought I knew held water and had Mm, there was substantiation behind the things that I believed Mm -hmm. that I could read and sense. And I say believed because I believe that um, for every true deep gift, sort of like in Christianity, we have baptism or we have communion, right? But those things I believe also are given to us by the universe. Mm -hmm. And so things are callings, right? Astrology for me was not my intention. It became a calling. And there was one New Year's Eve, it was the turn of 2018, 27 into 2018. 
and I was excited to go out for New Year's. Didn't feel well at all. I was reading Plato's last book, Timaeus. As one does on New Year's. Of course. (laughs) And I said to my younger brother, whom I lived with, I'm going to stay home. You go out, have a great time. I just don't feel great, so I'm going to stay here and read my book. So I was getting through the book. I was feeling feverish, went to bed early. And I was probably sick for several days. And like that kind of sick that's like in and out of consciousness, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sort of. Mm -hmm. Like so overheated, in and out of consciousness. And when I woke up, I knew astrology. What? Everything. What? It was downloaded. Downloaded. Absolutely. And one thinks, especially if you have a, to use this word again, Western background. Yeah. Come from two military parents, very, you know, educated in Western universities, that kind of a thing. This was not part of my paradigm, not part of my vocabulary. And so I thought, okay, I have to prove this wrong. I have to prove that this is, this is ridiculous. I can't. What is this? Yeah. And then I kept utilizing the tool and it was more and more and more powerful. I studied with Austin. At the end of the semester with him, we took a test. And of the hundred questions, I missed one. Oh, wow. And I was sure that what I was learning or thought I had learned Uh was legitimate. And then I could offer that as a service. And for years, from 2018 actually until about 2020, I offered these things um, for free. Yeah. I didn't feel comfortable charging. I wasn't sure Mm -hmm. if I wanted to do that Mm -hmm. or I wanted to make, make very, very, very clear to myself that this art was honed enough Mm. for public consumption. Mm -hmm. So practicing on all those charts, holding new and full moon circles for multiple years at the meditation studio I used to own at that time, and then studying with Austin in 2020, it crystallized everything for me. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to move forward with this. I've got it. That, that blows me away because First of all, those having those two as an influence and, and to be mentors and teachers, um, when you listen to this podcast, and, and I've listened to them for a couple of years now too, they are some of the most brilliant people I have ever heard or, or listened to or learned from. I mean, I understand about 30% of it, you know, and I'm learning every day, but the complexity of this language to just be gifted, I am absolutely just on the floor. That's amazing. That's amazing. The glyphs are a whole different language. You're correct. Yeah. And so did you, as far as, so you were downloaded with um, interpreting the aspects and the, and just the, the whole kit and caboodle. There are aspects of astrology that I've continued to expand into, mm-hmm. but a lot of them, you know how you can sense sometimes intuitively that there's something more mm-hmm. than you're sensing. Mm-hmm. For example, for me, that's been learning about Antitia and Contra Antitia, which never, is a, is. right, it's a complicated, <laughs> it's an additional layer of astrology, okay. but basically there are the solstices, the equinoxes, mm-hmm. and on either side of the equinox, you have days that are equivalent in length mm-hmm. of light and dark, mm-hmm. and even though they don't make traditional aspects, mm-hmm. Cancer and Gemini, for example, right, there is a simpatico between them. There's a resonance, a commonality that has to do with that amount of light and dark present in the season. Mm-hmm. And so those aspects, as an example, I was not aware of or downloaded into. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And then Great as I spot. got to that in Austin's course, mm-hmm. it, it kind of helped me scratch an itch that I'd had, if that makes sense. You're like, okay, I knew there was something mm-hmm. here. I felt this. And then you can give some more formal context to it. Mm-hmm. And it helps anybody who's been in any art form knows that when you're learning from a master, it's like a shortcut. Yeah. And yes. you can see the industry standard, how things have been done for time before you. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right, right. Whew, I mean, it's almost like it's just giving me this visceral feeling. I'm, it's amazing. It's amazing. So this was a calling for you. It was obviously just a spiritual gift that was given to you. You've mentioned very confidently a couple of times Christianity and the Bible, which I love that you are talking about them in the context of astrology because I was raised very Southern Baptist that astrology was something you didn't want to mess with. It was witchcraft. It was of the devil. Um, I still have people today that when I bring things up, they're like, oh no, I'm a Christian, but I still kind of believe in it, but I don't want to talk about it too much. And my church says it's not whatever. So can you speak to the relationship that astrology and Christianity have had and, and the church, uh, on a whole. I'm so excited that you brought this up. I'm so excited that you brought this up. (laughs) Astrology has been around for as long as humans have been keeping records because astrology is simply an advanced form of timekeeping. Mm -hmm. The 12 hours on our clock are from the 12 signs in the Zodiac and not the other way around. What? I had no idea. That is the reason there are 12 hours oh. on the clock. And when you think about it, oh, the, yeah, because the sun and the solar day, yeah. right, is yeah. based on astrology. Mm-hmm. The solar year is based on astrology. The lunar month, month comes from moon. And so all of the time that we keep, all of the cycles that we observe, those are predominantly solar and lunar cycles. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, sundial-wise, this is how we've been keeping time and meeting up. And keeping time has been hard for humanity, right? For everyone to get on the same page Mm -hmm. at the same time, especially up until we had satellites, et cetera. But essentially navigating the globe has also been the domain of astrology prior to GPS and satellite location systems. Because navigating the seas, we needed the heavens, And we needed to be able to use specifically constellations Mm -hmm. to help us to reach our intended destination. And as above, so below, Mm -hmm. right? This is internal as well as external. And tidal cycles, for example, everybody who lives near a body of water in which there are tides, we understand how connected that we are to the sun, the moon. I mean, we go to sleep literally when the sun's not out and the moon brings in the tides, brings out the tides. It changes our circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. But the church, the church has been actually involved in astrology for a long time. And this is about power. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the very, very beginning, astrologically, again, this is back to when humans started keeping records. Every religion was doing astrology. The Christians, this, this is like, it comes from the Sumerians. It comes from like the Vedas, the oldest known form of, of any religion. It comes from Islam. It comes from Judaism. Everybody mm-hmm. was using astrology. And you can see it in their symbols. They, they, the sun, I mean, you know, Jesus is, is literally the, the son of God. And, you know, in, 
and Muslims with the moon and, you know, like there and stars. I mean, it's all over our national flags. It's all over every single religion. And, and in the books, they, they talk about different things, you know, I mean, we could really go down a rabbit hole, but if you really look at how much they talk about astrology in the Bible, I think it would surprise many, many people. Think about how many constellations are referenced. And I mean, uh, male and female, those symbols, that's Venus and Mars. Those yeah. are the symbols for Venus and Mars, which are around before <laughs> the right. symbols for boy and girl. Right. So I think we don't understand how much um, our inherited language has actually been influenced by astrology. Yeah. But astrology and astronomy, like I said earlier, were one and the same. And if you remember the beef that the church had with Copernicus, this is, he was a That's huge right. astrologer, Galileo, huge astrologer. Yeah. All these people were learning from the skies above. Mm -hmm. In the Bible even, think about how the wise men found Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is how they found them. They mm -hmm. looked at the heavens, they were able to interpret the meanings, mm -hmm. and they were able to see that the Lord had come. Mm -hmm. And so they went. Yeah. And they were, they, they were following the star, the North Star. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just as we do to navigate, or used to, to navigate to everything mm -hmm. that we wanted to find mm -hmm. and to um, to connect with. But this actually, I love, love, love Christianity and astrology because it goes back to actually the reign of Queen Elizabeth. Mm. And when you think about right around the time that Elizabeth I was queen, Protestantism and Catholicism were kind of in this death battle, right? There was Mary, there was Elizabeth, there was Henry, there was like this, this shit was crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> at that time. Yeah. And so Elizabeth herself was Protestant, Mary was Catholic. Astrology actually has uh, been accepted a bit more by Catholics than it has been by Protestants. Elizabeth did think that there was efficacy to astrology and she actually hired a mathematician named John Dee very famous mathematician, polymath, incredibly famous astrologer. He was her court astrologer. And she promptly... And, I, and, all, and all monarchs have astrologers. And, and our political leaders today also use them as well. Billionaires have astrologers. Yes. Millionaires, maybe. Yes. Billionaires, definitely. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, look up uh, Nancy Reagan, Ronald Reagan's wife. She was yeah. huge into astrology. Yeah. But Elizabeth outlawed astrology mm. for everybody else. Mm -hmm. That was not the monarch. Right. Because it's, a, it, as you said, it's about power. I mean, the, there's so much personal power in studying astrology, how it relates to you, to your world, to your community, to your tribe. And if you're a monarch, then it's hard to rule, right? It's hard to control. And even before that, you were not allowed to predict the death of the monarch. Right. And so astrologers had been limited even prior because you might see this, but you can't, even if you are the king's astrologer, you can't see his death. Mm -hmm. That's not allowed. Mm -hmm. And so John Dee actually died penniless, if anybody's curious. She really <laughs> didn't do any favors for him. But it was from there uh -huh. that we got modern astrology. Because a lot of what was present in the English language, it was all created around then, like think the King James Bible, all that stuff, like around this time is when things were being translated. Mm -hmm. Going back to Chris Brennan and Austin Kopic, they're both members of Project Hindsight. And Project Hindsight, the whole purpose of it, and it was started decades ago, is to translate the most ancient foundational astrological texts that we have into English. Oh. So that we can learn from Firmicus Maternus, you know, or we can learn from these ancient minds yeah. who had been present and around when 
you know, there was there were there were people all over Mesopotamia specifically doing really advanced astrology. And it wasn't until the Library of Alexandria was torched that really most of the texts were lost. Mm. And it's from the texts that remain, from the few that have remained, and oftentimes they remain actually in monasteries and churches like this is where a lot of the old texts have been found and just to use Firmicus as an example one of his works um, Methus was just recently translated by Benjamin Dykes into English Mm -hmm. and so bought that read it a lot of what we can learn from the um, earliest versions it's only just now becoming available so mm-hmm. a lot of what others were working with prior between Queen Elizabeth and now has been really limited yeah. and sun sign astrology is the result of that and actually it is the church which is partially responsible for that yeah yeah and I also think that sometimes it is very much a science although um, empirically it's very difficult to really come up with statistics although like if you really delve into it people are doing it it's pretty it's pretty spot on I mean you it's it's hard to refute once you really get into the technicalities of it which the astrology podcast does a fabulous job of doing this but I think that it gets put into this um ah should I say kind of a, a um as as a as a feminine intuitive uh art woo-woo kind of like pseudoscience yeah a pseudoscience you know I feel like it in just because in our society right now like the feminine energies aren't as respected and intuition isn't respected as much I feel like it's just kind of put into this like frivolous category you know well and because it's so limited in terms of modern astrology popular astrology newspapers Instagram accounts Mm -hmm. it's not as full and rich as perhaps the, the entirety of Hellenistic astrology or even Vedic astrology mm-hmm. would be if they were consumed more in their entirety. Mm-hmm. But we've been so used to this pop astrology, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like pop science. I mean, think about how much misinformation goes around on TikTok. Like, right. Oh my gosh. Right. A lot of people say, I don't know if I believe in astrology or I don't, I don't know exactly how to refute that because I kind of want to tell them it's, it's not a belief. It's just, it's, it's a lot of information you have to either have interpreted for you or learn how to digest and interpret yourself, right? You can look at the Prague astronomical clock and at all large astronomical clocks that were built recently and far in the past. Either there's no reason why those people wanted that information and it's not helpful at all, mm-hmm. or there is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of astrology, the people who knock it don't have the patience or wherewithal to try it. Mm-hmm. Because one of the hard things about astrology is it is interpretation and there is archetype involved. So unlike mathematics, a different language, there isn't just an answer at the end of the equation which is inviolable, like this is the answer two plus two is four. Mm -hmm. There technically are some of those things in astrology, but the people that we have interpreting them, because you can look at something, like I could tell you that Mars is sextiling Pluto today, Mm -hmm. and you could interpret that, but that is what requires all of the training, Mm -hmm. is the understanding of the martial archetype, the Plutonian archetype, Mm -hmm. the nature of a sextile, what signs those two are in, et cetera. I mean, there's, there's so, it's so complex because it's the whole chart is related, 
But life is like that. You, you don't just say, okay, look at someone's life and tell me about your love life. And there's just one black and white answer. It's all shades of gray and nuances. I think in this day and age, there's also language that we're not open to. We've become increasingly uh, divided in terms of how we want our language to be. There's sort of an echo chamber effect of social media. Mm-hmm. But if you, just to use the Christian example, the chakras, this is another woo-woo thing. This is another thing that most people are like, oh, I don't believe in the chakras, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Chakra is the kundalini system's name. These are bundles of nerves along the spine. The spine is what it is. The centers or the intersections of major nerve endings are what they are. Mm-hmm. And actually within Christianity, if you look at all seven sacraments from birth on up, like this is the seven chakras. Mm, I didn't know that. Birth is the root, yeah. communion, the sacral, confirmation, marriage and on and on ordination blah 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 you get it get so uh turned off or on to certain terms Mm -hmm. and we have personal triggers that we all carry based upon our background Mm -hmm. and i've been lucky i am half jewish Mm, half evangelical christian me too so your mom or your dad is jewish mom is the christian one okay okay me too me too so you were never like I'm a half blood. I've known it. Yeah, I'm, it's been I'm very I'm, clear. I'm Jewish. Like, it's made very clear to yeah. me. I'm not very Jewish. If it were yeah. mom, I would be Jewish. Right, 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 right. But that sense of not belonging mm-hmm. is what has helped me to be open to other. Like I wanted a spiritual community to mm-hmm. be 100% in on, mm-hmm. and it just never happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is not a surprise at all, though. Like half Jewish women, especially where it's the dad side. Yeah. I have been noticing and connecting with so many of these people in these intuitive and in these like artistic realms. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting because, you know, you, you know, you have the, you know, you have the blood, you know, you have the, the history and the genes and the, but you don't really get legitimized. <laughs> and my and my dad's side of the family weren't developed. They they kind of weren't buying into it anyway. So I didn't get too much of it anyway. Um, okay. So tell me about how you teach astrology because the Astrology Roadshow, you guys, it's on Instagram. I watch it all the time. Rachel is so eloquent. And I just really, um, I admire your your teaching style and your knowledge and how you communicate it. It's, it's poetic and hypnotic at the same time and useful and practical. And so tell me about how you came to teach astrology and, and what you think about and how you do that. This has been a process. Definitely. It's something that's so expansive and so ancient and so manifold that it's difficult to distill and to, simple teachings. Mm -hmm. I have a Mercury in Taurus. So for anyone astrologically literate who's there, I like things to be concrete. I don't do metaphysical. Taurus is fixed earth. It is physical. It needs to make sense. It needs to work every single time. what house is that in? Tenth. Of course it is. Sun and <laughs> which, which is your career, right? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. public roles. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Exactly. So teaching was always, I guess, in the cards. Uh-huh. My Jupiter, though, is in the 12th. So we were going to teach hidden and taboo strange things. Anyway, if you didn't get that, don't worry about that. Right. Don't worry about that. But I need things to make sense. And so astrology for me is teaching it is the endeavor to simplify all of the, the knowledge that I've acquired into things that are practical, useful, and hopefully beautiful. Mm. That's the Taurus rules. All of that. You do practical, perfectly. useful, and beautiful. And I've experimented with, with many different forms. Yeah. 
I'm experimenting right now, and you're the first person to hear this. I have been talking to Bree Forrest, who owns Haven here in Dallas, about doing some virtual content, like some courses Mm -hmm. for astrology. Mm -hmm. First one I'm thinking is just a basic how to read your birth chart. And I debuted that sort of how to read your birth chart, Astrology 101, at a day retreat that Sonia Azad just held here in oh, Dallas yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, Sonia, yeah, yeah. And so that went smashingly well. I've got the notes on that. And I hope to take just some more basic, like how to read your birth chart, basic sinistry, mm-hmm. you know, is this person compatible with me? Mm-hmm. Basic, like how to read the cosmic weather, just like mundane, what's going on in the sky. I've been hoping to take those and make some courses that can live online for people to download and listen to. Downloadable courses have been super helpful for me. I've taken numerous of Chris Brennan's courses that way. Mm -hmm. And the go at your own pace thing is amazing because if your mind gets blown, you can pause and be like, oh my God, like let me go think about that for some hours before I come back to the rest of the content. But otherwise, I believe that um, social media is amazing. Mm -hmm. There are some incredible astrologers on social media to follow and then to kind of get in the rhythm of listening to the way that they describe the weather because every different voice sort of adds a different lens or perspective and makes more fullness right to Mm -hmm. the understanding that we all have of astrology but there is nothing that beats in-person instruction Mm. and so full moon circles new moon circles I hold new moon sound baths now in mm-hmm. um, Waco mm-hmm. at Yoga 8, in which essentially I'll tell you about 15 minutes of astrology, and then we have the sound takeover. And so I feel like it's a great time for people to integrate those things mm-hmm. a bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. And at least here in Dallas, one thing I loved about holding monthly circles is that we had some attendees that would come every month. And I held these with my dear friend, Leah McCatherine, or she's now Leah Oldham. She got married. She's in Austin. She's a therapist who's also an astrologer. So mm-hmm. for everybody who's mm-hmm. interested in an astrologically literate therapist. So I'm, I'm starting to do, take therapy clients again. And I'm going to very, very yes. briefly just incorporate their, their birth charts with it. You know, just a snapshot. Because I tell you what, if I would have had my birth chart read, I w- it would have knocked 10 years of therapy off. Just teasing it all out. I mean, it's literally all there. It is so all there. And I I now offer, um, so besides astrology chart reading on my website is astrological counseling (gasps) and life coaching. Okay. Okay. Because exactly what you're saying is correct. I have several clients that see me at least once a month Mm -hmm. and they have been in therapy for a long time. And what I'm doing is adding color to what they are learning in therapy and especially when it comes to reading entire families birth charts uh-huh. oh, so a lot of these dynamic the systems yes. yeah yeah absolutely yes. and it can be super helpful for parents to understand their children yes super un- uh, helpful for children to understand themselves yeah. right or just to understand the dynamic and how things are likely to happen okay. so that you can um embrace yeah I, I mean i'm so excited you're doing that um I'll probably want for you, for you to mentor me because it seems like you're yes. a few steps ahead. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yes. So you've got lots of different, different teaching avenues. That's, that's really great, Rachel. It was really those circles though, which helped me because the clients that would come frequently, like we had some clients that would come every single, if you know, Alika Ray, she's an amazing model here in the city. She used to come to every single one of the circles we held for about mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. And those people learned astrology, like 
they just got it because you see the tone and tenor of every moon. You see how the gathering is different Mm -hmm. given Mm -hmm. the astrology of the time. And you really get to sense we'd have people introduce themselves with their, either their sun or sun, moon, rising, Mm -hmm. big three. And the more Geminis you meet, the more you're like, oh, I know what Gemini is. Right. I get that. I didn't even ask you what your big three are. So you've got the Leo rising. Taurus sun. Okay. Pisces moon. Oh, there's the intuitive yeah. right there. Yeah. The Pisces moon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that too, because I was equating you to Molly McCord, which I love her podcast. If you guys have never heard her. But, Amazing. But you guys, um, the, the style about how you communicate what is happening in the sky. Tell me about it, that style of yours. So I mentioned intuitive, uh, Molly McCord, who is amazing. Y'all should all listen to her biweekly podcast. They're incredible. She is an intuitive astrologer. Mm-hmm. And what is an intuitive astrologer? It's somebody who combines their own psychic gifts with astrology. Mm-hmm. So I can delineate a birth chart entirely based upon, this is the Taurus Mercury, the facts. <laughs> this is what it is. And I'll tell you what these things mean. And together, the Leo will perform it all and show you. But the Pisces moon gets information that there's just no way that I could have access to mm-hmm. without. Yeah. In meditation, I used to, um, and I still, I do not ever plan what it is that I am doing. In yoga, increasingly, this is too. I don't plan. It's who is there and what comes in. What am I called to do? What house is that in? Eighth. Oh, God. Eighth oh with gosh. Mars. I just, I just want to like read your chart right now. <laughs> That's incredible. With Mars. Yes. Wow. Yes. In the eighth. Okay. All right. Keep going. But there, there's information. And just as an example, I had a client recently whom uh, there was a certificate purchased by his sister for him to have a reading. They had the same last name. And my friend, the woman, is married. So I thought they were married to each other. I thought mm. this was her husband. Mm. And we get started on this reading. And I keep talking to him about his wife. And he's like, oh, that's my sister. And I'm like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry about that. But I kept talking about his wife. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, your wife this. And, he, and we get to the reading. And I realize the wife is dead. This is me realizing in the chart. I'm like, oh, this wife is... So I ask him about her. Oh. It turns out she's just passed. And that's what oh. the reading is for. Mm. But the Pisces moon picked up on it from moment one. Right. right. And Rachel herself, mind, Taurus, Mercury was was just trying to be practical and assuming the wife purchased it or whatever. But those are things that you cannot uh, plan or maybe not even know about. Mm -hmm. Like when you're using words in a meditation, you never know who they're speaking to or for. Mm -hmm. I remember a meditation where I was talking. I I mentioned the word captain several times. (laughs) And I'm like, captain. God, like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah, what, yeah. what kind of a meditation am I leading? And someone comes up after class and she was like, my father was a captain of a ship and he's just recently passed and everything you were saying was to me and, you know, all this Whoa. business. I couldn't get my music to work. And so I had the front desk just play some random music. Turns out the song that was playing was her dad's favorite song. You never know. I mean, you can't make it up. You can't no. make it up. And, and when you're, when you're tuned into that, it seems like more of it happens. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure that's just the way you live your life by now, right? Like it's just, you have to allow it. And yeah. this sounds crazy, but I used to, and this is the Pisces moon Mars in the eighth house. I used to just tell my husband like, Hey, I'm going to go somewhere. And he'd be like, well, where are you going? I don't know yet. I'm just going to go somewhere. And then you'll end up at the right place when you're like called to the side of the road or whatever. I love that. It's I love it. incredibly Piscean, but that is where I think there's astrology, which comes from the 
deep knowledge, the study, the ancient wisdom, the facts, mm -hmm. the technical astrology. Mm -hmm. And then there is additionally what you can layer upon that. Mm -hmm. Some people use tarot. Mm -hmm. Some people use... Which also has a tie-in with astrology. It's all tied together. All the cards are tied to different signs and different... All, all the houses and everything, right? They're all um, um, complementary. And I hope people know as well, same thing with tarot cards. Tarot cards were before playing cards. Playing cards are from tarot cards mm -hmm. and not vice versa. Mm -hmm. Tarot cards were made by us Italian astrologers back in like the 1400s. Wow. And that is where our playing cards come from. They just took out the major arcana. Oh my gosh, I right? didn't know that. Right. And so that. all of that, this all ties together. And a lot of these uh, intuitive tools, whether it be astrology, whether it be tarot, any sort of reading, all intuitive reading is based upon pattern recognition mm. and application in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you're reading tea leaves, tarot cards, crystals, mm -hmm. astrology charts, whatever it is that you're reading, it is that depth of experience and the ability to see a meaning mm -hmm. because it all operates on the premise that nothing is random, that randomness is so impossible that even our random number generators that we've set up... <laughs> As a society, they sync up during major events, and, and we cannot literally get randomness to happen. Okay, but you're blowing my mind. <laughs> uh, and essentially, these are all ancient technologies yes. that we have not been utilizing because we've been so in our head, the scientific method, we have language, we have reading, but these things have been around and happening and repressed and revitalized and brought back up and pushed back down so over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But do you think that us moving into the age of Aquarius um, and, you know, just going that we're just like, OK, we're going to use these these transformational um, ancient technologies to really heal our society and to move us forward to where our next evolution of humanity? Definitely. Yeah. The age of Aquarius is interesting for me. I still don't know what I think about this exactly. Mm -hmm. But one thing I really do know about is the planet Pluto. Mm -hmm. And I say the planet. Ugh. One of the best things about Pluto is like the question mark. Like, is this a planet? Yeah. It was a planet. It's yeah. no longer a planet. That's very Plutonic. Yeah. And I, I joke with clients that Pluto is as important as dark matter. Oh, that yes. it's hard to understand. But Pluto takes, and it's the furthest out planet that anybody looks at or speaks to. So traditional astrology, just so all of the listeners know, all the visible planets, which are up to Saturn, you can see with the naked eye, those are what traditional astrology encompasses because before we had technology, we couldn't see anything else. Right. The other planets are what's called transpersonal or transgenerational. And that is because their orbital periods are far too long to really be observed meaningfully in a human life. Saturn takes about 30 years to go around the zodiac, and so we can see it for at least two, maybe three passes, right? Mm -hmm. If we're super lucky, we're 90. Mm -hmm. And then you can really interpret that Saturn in your chart more clearly. The other planets take longer, and Pluto takes 248 to 49 years to go around the yes, zodiac. Yes, it does. <laughs> but Pluto also speaks to that which we are collectively afraid of, that which collectively is responsible for the power dynamics. Mm -hmm and for uh, the great revelations of all times, and also the opposite of revelations, so those technologies which are buried, kind of like you mentioned, are just cast aside or outcast, right? And Pluto in Aquarius, which is just starting to happen. It's just flirting with it. 
just starting to happen. Aquarius is the sign in which we experience that outcastness. So all of those technologies, ideas, um, systems, which were downcast or made to be other, right? So we have astrology. I think we have a lot of different systems outside of monotheism, paganism, for example. Wiccanism is making a huge comeback. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of that was totally cast down right about that long ago. Like the witch trials were kind of right right Mm then-ish. But all of that stuff, a lot of this is about the ecliptic and the how things are shifting in terms of the the way that the zodiac and the ecliptic form. So this is like, uh, if we think about fixed stars, they're not actually fixed. They move just slightly. So for example, when I was born, the star Regulus, one of the four royal stars, super important, one of the 15 Bohemian fixed stars, important. That star was in Leo. It's no longer, it's in Virgo now mm. because of the shift of the ecliptic. Mm-hmm. The earth itself is slanted. We wobble. Right. Right. And things shift. And so that is part of what the idea of the age of Aquarius is. I really like, though, the idea that Pluto has something to do with the technologies which are empowered and disempowered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of on point, especially with Pluto going into Aquarius like right now. Yeah. I mean, I just everything that I've heard and the conversations I've been listening to, it's just I feel like over the next 12 to 15 years, we're, we're just not even going to recognize who we are, our society, our planet, you know, it's, and the thing about Pluto, it's either kills you or makes you powerful. So I guess our humanness is, uh, the verdict is still out what we're going to choose and how we're going to show up, but we are going to be living in, um, interesting times. One of my favorite things to tell clients as well is that Pluto has been in Capricorn for the last mm, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Pluto entered Capricorn, the sign of the establishment of the system of tradition of like authority mm-hmm. in 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When all that financial stuff, which Capricorn, yeah. Big banks yeah. are Capricorn. Yeah. That's exactly what that yeah. is. And Pluto is fear. It's shock. It's upset. It's yeah. that uh, power dynamic shift. Mm-hmm. And so we're shifting from the power, the Pluto being in Capricorn, the establishment to the the power being with Aquarius, the people, the people, yeah, the mob, mm-hmm. the technology. Now, a lot of what we fear is cancel culture. It is the destruction of of um, protest or, or mob movements in cities, mm-hmm. right? Like how many people mm-hmm. were worried in Los Angeles when everything was getting busted up, yeah. right? A little bit ago. So I think that was our taste of Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. And we're really getting ready. It's going to shift in January of this year back into Aquarius. Yeah. I think the important thing, at least when I work with Pluto in my chart, and you have to surrender. And, Amen. You know, Pluto's not going to kill you. Trying to control Pluto will. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's going to be very interesting to watch this, this transit. And uh, it's powerful. And it can be really beautiful. If any of your listeners are listening right now being like, Pluto's in my chart, I know it. There's intense Pluto. Yeah. Pluto Problems by Donna Cunningham is oh. one of the <gasps> best books. Oh my gosh. I've got a friend who, two friends at Pluto sitting right on their ascendant, like right on it. I've got Jupiter conjunct Pluto right now. It's for like the next three years in my ninth house. And Hey, that's not bad, girl. No, I know. We like a Jupiter conjunct I Pluto. Oh, I, I love it. Like I, no, I do. I'm in it, but I'm just like. 
okay, with power to, it comes responsibility. Like, wh- what am I supposed to be doing? Teaching him with my ninth house, something big, something transformational, something, I don't know. You know, Bill Gates has Jupiter conjunct Pluto in his second. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But I, yeah, and I do have um, my Pluto um, trine, my natal Jupiter too. Oh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, so I have some millionaire, you know, like aspects oh, yeah. there. So we haven't seen it yet, but it's okay. Um, okay, so, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Um, so, yeah, so we, we got a little bit down this astrology uh, <laughs> rabbit hole. But, you know, if you're still holding on at this point in this, <laughs> at this podcast, if we just haven't, like, completely, like, uh, astrology nerded you out, then, you know, you're, you're welcome. Love y'all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as far as the rest of the year, what are some important or interesting or fun or terrifying aspects that are happening and we can kind of uh, watch for? So earlier, just barely earlier, November 4th, Saturn stationed direct. And it was the first time that Saturn has stationed direct in Pisces Mm -hmm. for about three decades. That was really interesting, really impactful. And I've noticed a lot of people because Saturn's in Pisces, spiritual shifts spiritual um, maturity. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of us post pandemic are finally getting this gravity together, right? We're like, okay, so things are not going to be light and free and fun and like they were. Now, how do we move forward in this more rigid container? And that, that was really impactful. And there is going to be Jupiter's direct station on December 31st. Mm New Year's Eve should be fire, by the way, because when a planet stations direct, it is stationary. Literally, it's stationing. It's it's changing direction, so it's still. Mm-hmm. It's very slow in the sky. And that calls attention. That pulls focus to that planet. So for November, for all of y'all who are listening, we've been focusing on Saturn things, which are hard, long, require patience, all of that jazz, it's, that's not fun by mm-hmm. humanity's standards. Mm-hmm. Jupiter things are much more abundance, cash, and prizes. So we're going to love that at Jupiter pulls focus in Taurus especially. Taurus is where our money is. This is where our pleasure, like our sensory pleasures really are there in Taurus, especially the physical ones. So New Year's Eve should be especially beautiful this year. But the other thing, it's not, I guess, in the end of the year, but the thing I really want to call attention to for anyone who's still listening (laughs) is the eclipse April 8th of this next year. And especially because we're in Dallas right now recording this, the eclipse that's happening is a total solar eclipse and the totality, the path of the totality runs right down the center of Texas. And that includes Dallas. Every time that an eclipse happens, so when it's total, that means it's closer to the nodes, the lunar nodes. It's on my mom's birthday. Right? Interesting. That'll be an interesting year for her, by the way. Eclipses are major interruptions in regularly scheduled programming. And the more exact they are, the closer to the ecliptic they are, Mm -hmm. the more intense, Mm -hmm. the more direct. And if you're in the path, the more intense really, and the more direct. Oh, wow. So this eclipse wow. is coming for Texas. Uh-huh. And that eclipse is in Aries. Yeah. It'll be the first eclipse in Aries. We just had an eclipse in Libra. I mean, this Toro Scorpio axis has been kicking my ass for a couple It's over, years. girl. It's over. It's finally over. I am so happy. This I'm Taurus s- is like, I'm so glad it's finally over. I mean, it's just been, it's been powerful, but it's been, 
It's been a ride. Well, we don't want interruptions in fixed signs because yeah. fixed signs are that which maintains, that which sustains, and we don't like the things that don't change changing. Right. All of a sudden. So like all of you listening, all the inflation, all the bullshit, all the whatever, mm-hmm. rising food prices and jazz, that is Uranus and Taurus. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. And then the North Node didn't help for the last year and a half, but mm-hmm. that has shifted. This mm-hmm. is the first eclipse in April in Aries. And the ruler Mars is going to be conjoining Saturn, which it does once every two years. Mm-hmm. Mars and Saturn is a once in two years hard time. Yeah. So it's going to be major. In Pisces. Major. <sighs> Meaning that it's the 12th house from Aries. Yeah. So a lot of 12th house themes of isolation, of self-undoing is actually the oldest name for the 12th house, mm-hmm. the house of self-undoing, mm-hmm. which at the high end is compassion and unity. And at the low end is like addiction and you know, self-destruction. Yes. And, and what I love to keep in mind around the 12th house matters, and I think that as you're saying this, I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to fall apart? No. For, for me, like I feel like doubling down on the meditation really getting comfortable with your feelings, like letting the fear and the panic and the grief, like go through you. And, um, just knowing that, that these things don't last, you know, but letting it purge, it sounds like a huge purging. And it's also a huge initiation because so Saturn and Mars, they're going to be purging Mm -hmm. the sun and the moon. Mm-hmm. are going to be initiating. They're in Aries, so cardinal fire. This is a spark. This is a start. Mm. But it's also a very unusual start. Mm-hmm. It's some strange shit mm-hmm. that's going to change and begin while some stuff ends, and it might be a hard ending. Is Pluto back in Aquarius yet? During that time, yes, it will be. <laughs> During that time, yes, it will be. It okay. enters in January, which is going to be important. Yeah. But Pluto has been flirting with... Yeah the line between yeah. because it's retrograde about 40% of the time. Uh-huh. So it, it is often flirting with one singular degree. If you have any planets that are right around zero degrees of Aquarius mm-hmm. or 28, 29 degrees of Capricorn, you've been getting it. Yeah. You've been really getting it, especially if those are luminaries, mm-hmm. you've been really getting it. But this next eclipse I've been prepping clients for Already. Yes. I'm like, I got to start this now because <laughs> this shit is crazy. I just yeah. prepped a client, um, for example, and like it, it was pretty intense. I called out a few things and she was like, yeah, that's yeah. that tracks for like the fear of what might happen. Like yeah. this is probably going to happen and I'm not looking forward to it. And yeah. it's going to be a major life change. And 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 that's that's what I find so useful about astrology is it's, it's not I mean, there are arms of it that are predictive, but it's more like it's more like a, um, a very smart, comforting, inquisitive friend that can guide you through and say, this is what's happening. You're not crazy. You know, this aspect is happening. You might feel like you're crazy or things are falling apart, but this is just a phase. This is a season of your life. And isn't it Nietzsche who said, he who knows why can bear almost any how? Mm. I feel like that's what astrology helps is to give this context, like mm. you're saying, where if you understand that things are happening for a limited time and for purpose, mm-hmm. if they don't seem so random, right. to use that word again, right. then they're easier to accept. And that is where the power is. Once you, ex- you accept something, then you, then you know that you can work on a solution. And you can integrate and yeah. then empower yourself instead of feeling disempowered by life. Absolutely. So beautifully said. So beautifully said. Well, I could 
talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I hope that you will definitely come back and we can kind of continue this conversation maybe somewhere around that eclipse if you're in town. And definitely, I can even bring my equipment down to uh, Waco and maybe we we record another episode. And maybe I come get you and bring that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I moved to Waco and we just like have a commune and live there. Why not? Why not? Okay. So um, as far as people um, that either like love learning about astrology or, or want to learn more or whatever, um, what are some resources that you just love around other than your, your show, yes. the astrology road show that you have to find her on Instagram. She'll be linked in my show notes. Definitely go follow her and listen all the time. Um, but what are your other resources that you want to recommend? So on my website, rachelruthtate.com, I have a tab called resources and everyone should click it. And then like Fantastic. everything is, is there. But specifically, there are a few different books. There's a book um, published by Don and Kindersley called, it's just called Astrology, I believe, but it's by the author Carol Taylor, mm -hmm. Carol with an E at the end. And it's one of the best visual guides to astrology that I've ever seen. She is uh, more of a modern astrologer. She uses the Placidus House system. I do not. So not everything that we think is the same, but it's this incredible primer and it gives you just kind of a way to make sense of things in your head. Her graphics are incredible. And if you want the entirely opposite end and like you're reading a peer-reviewed journal academic article type thing, the book Hellenistic Astrology by Chris Brennan is unparalleled. I want to pick that up. Yeah. He's just so it's, freaking brilliant. I mean, it's an amazing book. He's yeah. an Aquarius rising. Can you tell? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, it was big Scorpio. Scorpio sun. Yeah. A lot of Scorpio. Yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> Which is amazing. I'm going to tag him on my, on my, uh, on my thing. See if he Let's tag him. Oh, definitely. I've oh. wanted to be on the podcast for forever and I, I don't, I don't know if that's oh, going to happen. Need, yeah. We need to make that happen for sure. Would, hey, Chris, let me be on the podcast. <laughs> yes, Chris, do it. Um, also, there are some other creators whom I really love and want to mention. Everybody knows Chani Nicholas, mm -hmm. right? Chani, the Chani app. Mm -hmm. There's also another Texan who's a Texan expat right now. He's on YouTube called SJ Anderson. Okay. And he does a YouTube channel. Amazing. He's my personal. That's who I use as my astrologer. Okay. There is also um, a gentleman named Cam White. Cam White is a Gen Z, and he also has a YouTube and then a podcast as well. Wow. And, and the, the younger kids are really, really leaning into this. I mean, they know yes. a lot. Yeah. They know so much, and they love it. They, they are so, uh, what's the word? Both my Gen Z stepkids are very... They lean atheist. I'm not an atheist, just mm -hmm. so I'm not at all. They lean atheist, mm -hmm. but they are in with astrology. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. a capstellium stepdaughter, and mm -hmm. she, she's like, I see the results. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense all the time. Yeah, I can use it. <laughs> you know, like they do. They lean into it. They like it a lot. Oh, wow. But I think it's because it makes more sense to them. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's tangible. It's tangible, and it's so all over TikTok. So yeah, well there. There you go. Um, okay. And so and you, people can find you Instagram and it'll link to all of your links, correct? If you type the name Rachel Ruth Tate mm -hmm. into Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, LinkedIn, anything, this is my name on everything. Okay. So on TikTok, Rachel Ruth and, Tate, everything. And again, I'll have it all linked in the show notes for you. Um, so you'll be able to find her very easily. And if you don't want to go learn everything about astrology, book a reading with Rachel because... Please. And apparently a therapy session too, and 
all the things go find out everything she's offering because she I did a reading with her and it was it was beautiful and spot on and so intuitive and so helpful and I a hundred thousand percent recommend it and um and you should just, you should do that. I mean, you can learn all about it yourself, but I, I, she might even teach you if you ask really nicely. I, I do and can. I mean, I yeah. usually ask at the beginning of a reading, what is the level of astrological detail? I can tell you how I'm getting yeah. to where I'm getting, or yeah. I don't have to at all. Yeah. I also just launched mini readings. Uh-huh. They're 15 minute readings. Oh, okay. More affordable, more accessible. And mm-hmm. oftentimes people just have a burning question. Yeah. And it's like they could do a whole chart reading and maybe even if they have, like, no, 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 I know my chart. I just, this one thing. Is that where you usually use horary or? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and horary, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a, you can ask a yes or no question and it it's very accurately tells you yes or no. Um, it does have some conditions, but it's, it's in a very interesting part of astrology. So I do some horary. I do a lot of natal, clearly. Mm-hmm mundane and transit-based astrology, sinistry. So a lot of like if you have a partner and you're Mm -hmm. looking for, or if you're looking for a partner and you're wondering about your love life, there Mm -hmm. is a lot of things that we can do together Mm -hmm. to help you maybe understand who it is that you can or should be partnered with or how it is to connect with your current partner. Mm -hmm. That's where some of the counseling aspects come in. Same thing with children. I also do death charts, Mm. which is kind of... Wow. Unusual. I, got, I didn't mean to get into that, but it's okay. So that's maybe, funny. maybe our, I, I just want to do a whole series because <laughs> I want to take each one of those and have a whole show about all of them. But <laughs> oh my gosh, you're you're such a you're such a resource, and you're such you're so beautiful inside, outside, all the things. I'm so glad that you came to talk to me, and I definitely want to do this again. I feel so blessed, and absolutely okay. Beautiful being, I'll be here. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you very soon. As always, thank you for listening all the way through to the end of the Art of Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying the show, please leave me a five-star review and a written review. It helps the show get listened to and distributed, and it's just really good, and I want to Thank you in advance for that. If you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's Leah Fisher Art. And also visit my website because I have a great section that highlights a lot of the resources that I talk about on the show. And then it also has some of my art too if you want to scroll around and look at that. And if you guys have any resources that you are really enjoying that are helping your healing or just making life a little bit better, Share those with me because I would love to share them with my audience. And in the meantime, I hope everyone's doing great and I will talk with you soon.